Welcome to the Costello Coaching Podcast, where we talk about developing the human within the athlete. My vision is to enhance people's performance in all aspects of their lives. I hope you enjoy. And we're back with the Costello Coaching Podcast. I'm Tommy Costello with our man, Andrew Rohrbach. Andrew and I have been exploring many different ways that we can serve our population better. And we have been doing a lot of brainstorming for the past month, and we've come up with an eight-part series titled A Deep Dive into Sports Psychology. Now, we are so fortunate that Andrew is working hard at the craft, and he's in school, attaining his master's degree in sports psychology, um, servicing, he's going to be servicing people at a very, very high level. And what we're doing is, as he's taking things from the classroom, we get to put it into the Costello Coaching uh, Company and help the athletes, what I call live on the ground, with it. So as he's in the classroom understanding actually the mechanisms of the brain and the research behind how athletes to respond um, to certain levels of adversity or success, we get to take all that information here and condense it down into important points and then present it and help people. So we're incredibly blessed to be able to have his presence. And today we're going to be breaking down from the journal of personality, and social psychology, when less is more, counterfactual thinking, and satisfaction among Olympic medalists. Um, So that was a mouthful. But without further ado, Andrew Rohrbach. Hey, well, thanks for having me back. (laughs) Of course, man. Yeah. Well, uh, I think we should start this off with, let me just kind of dive deep a little bit into some of the concepts of what we're going to be talking about. Beautiful. And then from that point, let's hit some reframing techniques to help maybe people understand what we're talking about and see if it applies into their life. Sound good? Sounds great. Cool. All right. So um, I was actually in class and we were talking about this this concept of counterfactual thinking. And that's basically what this article kind of goes into. And counterfactual thinking, and I'm going to use the, the definition, is cognitive process in which individuals mentally simulate or consider alternative outcomes to events that have already occurred. If that doesn't make a lot of sense to you, just because I used cognitive, um, basically what it's saying is that when an event happens, we create a story and a simulation in our mind of what really actually happened. It can go in two different directions. We're going to use upward and downward. Okay. An event happens upward cognitive or counterfactual thinking is imagining a better outcome than what occurred, right? So feelings of regret and disappointment can stem from this. Uh, examples, if you were saying in your head, if I studied harder, man, I, I could have aced that test, right? Your upward thinking of, man, if I would have hit a home run right there, we would have won the game, right? Feelings of regret, disappointment kind of stem from that. Yeah, like simply thinking, if you play second, man, I could have placed first, Perfect example. Yeah. Versus if there was 10 people in the race and saying, man, I was in the top 20% of this race. Right. That would be downward. That would be downward. So downwards imagining uh, a worse outcome than what occurred, you know, feelings of relief and satisfaction happen from this. So it could have been worse. You know, it could have been worse. I, I did pretty well. Um, you know, I, I studied pretty well and, uh, you know, I kind of got a C, I got a B. So, Hey, you know, it is what it is. So there's two different ways to go about this. The article talks about the Olympic Games and the study that these research uh, people did was 
they looked at video of when Olympic athletes either won on the, the medal stand and they were presented with a gold, bronze, or silver, or when they found out that they won. And the study showed that they brought in like 20 extra like students from this university who said, I don't know anything about sports, man. I don't know nothing about sports. Yeah, sure. I'll be part of your study. So they brought them in the room and these people sat there and they had these video, video clips of people finding out they won or when they were on the metal stand. And they just said, Hey, from a 10, from a scale from one to 10 agony to ecstasy, so one being agony, feeling of agony, 10 being a feeling of ecstasy. Man, those people are super ecstatic. They had them rate the scale. And what they found out was that the people who placed silver were significantly, significantly less happy about their, their, their product and, and how they placed comparatively to people that placed in third place. Those people shot through the roof. They were way more excited and their, their feelings of and I did this, I placed in, in the Olympics was through the roof comparatively to people in silver. So what they found out was that these people based off of what happened there, they chose to either upward counterfactually think or downward counterfactually think the people who were in silver upward counterfactually thought. So their thoughts in their head were, yeah, okay, I got silver in the, the, you know, this is an example. I got silver in the Olympics, but I didn't win negative thoughts versus third place. Dude, I, I, can't believe I, can't, I can't believe I meddled. Right. And so there was one other concept and then we'll kind of go into a little bit of it, but one concept was based off of how these, these television companies or how this, these scenarios are filmed and shown to the public. One of the concepts was that when they're playing for the championship game, it's, it's basically you're watching who's going to lose that. Whereas if you're watching third and fourth place, whoever potentially becomes bronze medal, you're figuring out who's going to win that. So the, the concepts and the way that we view those are, are very different. If you're trying to be a bronze medalist and you're trying to win the bronze medal, it's about a positive. Man, I, I won. Great, I'm the one that won this. Whereas if you're going for the gold medal, you often see like, man, that guy lost that. See how that kind of shifts someone's perspective. Yeah. Yeah, it's the way it's the way you're looking at the result more so than the actual result. And so that has to do with framing, correct? That's that's framing 101 yeah. is how you're how you're looking at the situation that is present. Um it's really interesting though that and my my question to you then is is it healthier to downward counterfactual think or is it better for your performance in the future. How does that, do you, do you have any opinions or data or any thoughts on how that interplays with, with performance? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I don't think it's as simple as just saying if you upper counter factually, counter factually think then man, you're just, that's a negative way to go about it. Right. Because there's reasons why you're upward counter factually thinking you have expectations you perceive that you are going to do much better. I don't think those are bad things to have. And just because you, from the situation and you didn't win, now you're going to be negative on yourself. I don't think we should look at that as like technically a bad thing from that point though, when you become negative on that situation, there's things that you can do to help yourself get back onto, you know, staying in the present moment. So I think it is just healthier though, in general, 
um, to think that way. And I, I would, I would, you know, not knowing those terms until you shared this with me and until you, you taught me this, you know, and that's what I love. I just leveled up by you explaining that to me because now I have the knowledge of what counterfactual thinking means. I didn't know what that meant, but to me, when you explain it, I boil it down to something that's simple. Maybe it gets the gist of it or the most of it, maybe not all of it. So I don't want to dumb it down to the fact of, um, and, and say that they're the exact same, but they are similar. And I think of this as optimist think optimism Mm -hmm. and thinking optimistically where someone who thinks optimistically is more, uh, not okay with losing, but they're, they're optimistically thinking where, man, at least I got challenged. Uh, at least I got the opportunity to play. At least I got the opportunity to challenge myself. And, and they think that way. And that's an optimistic thinker where a pessimistic thinker is, man, I can't believe I lost. And they kind of push themselves, uh, in what would be quantified here as, uh, in an upper in counterfactual thinking rather than a downward. Yeah, I see what you're saying. I wouldn't look at it as like, imagine everyone that's going to the Olympics. I don't think any of them are going to be pessimistic thinkers. Maybe, maybe there's an aspect of it, but most of them are going to yeah, be but optimistic. Sometimes you run into like, and this surprises me. Like it really does surprise me because you would think that people at a very high level kind of have these things figured out. And for those of you who maybe haven't gotten the opportunity yet or haven't been exposed to um, maybe people in the NFL, MLB, NBA, um, or actors. And these, you know, we put them on a, a pedestal, Olympians. We put these people on a pedestal um, in our society, which deservingly so. They, they've earned that right. They've done some amazing things that, you know, 0.01% of people probably have attained. Um, but the thing that most people think is they have it figured out. And the truth is working with them, they don't. And so there are pessimistic thinkers that compete at a high level. And there are pessimistic thinkers that uh, perform at a high level. But, you know, when you can shift their perspective to more optimistic thinking, uh, you can see major benefits for those people. So I do, I, I actually do think that there are a lot of people that could use this help at the highest of levels. I agree with that. That you could use it. I'm saying a pessimistic thinker who's naturally pessimistic. I don't think they achieve and get to that level. I think that if someone's pessimistically pessimistically thinking, but has have uh, is going to the Olympics, their thought process might be counterfactual thinking. Not necessarily that they're just a natural pessimistic thinker. Yeah, that was the only thing I was trying to. No, say. No, for sure. But it, that there is something to be said for giving someone uh, mechanisms in which to think about things differently that could benefit them. And for me, understanding this, I, I'm already running the tapes in my head and saying, how can I apply this to my own life? And when I do apply that, it almost gives like a weight off my shoulders where when I upwardly counterfactual think it puts more weight on my shoulders. 100%. And so when you, when you taught this to me before the podcast, we started recording, like I had a, it was interesting. I get these experiences a lot when I feel like I'm present. Um, but I had this overwhelmingly, uh, amount of emotion behind it because it brought up like 10 different scenarios in my head where I thought of, wow, 
when I beat myself up for that, it crushed me. And when I downwardly counterfactual thought, it lightened my load and so many great things came after it. And if I could, I'd love to share two scenarios that came to my mind right away. Absolutely. So when I was scouted by three pro teams and I tore my UCL right in front of them, even though I was pitching the best that I'd ever thrown in my life, I swear to you, I was on the mound and I thank God for that opportunity. I tore my UCL in front of three professional teams that were ready to offer me a contract to go to spring training. I was throwing the best I've ever thrown and I tore my UCL right in front of them. But on that mound, I promise you, the head scout came out and he said, hey, what's wrong? I knew exactly what I had done to my elbow and I swear, I promised, I promised you, I, I said a prayer on that mound. I said, you know what, God, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity for letting me know that I was worthy and good enough to become a professional. And it was hard. And I wanted to cry. I wanted to feel emotional. I wanted to feel negative about the situation. But I had this overwhelming sense of peace with the situation. Now, rewind three years prior, I had a fray in my labrum from going in and out of roles at University of Pacific from starter to reliever, starter to reliever, and I was mismanaged, and it really damaged my shoulder with how many times I was hot, and I'm not going to get into the details of that, but I remember just beating myself up for it, and I would do everything I possibly could to stay healthy, and I was one of the best pitchers on the team, and the team was expecting a lot from me. The coaching staff was expecting a lot. I had the biggest scholarship on the team, and when I hurt my shoulder, I was like, man, I should have been the Friday guy. I should be on that trip to Gonzaga. I should be pitching. Like, I shouldn't be hurt. I should I should be fine. And I took myself into such a negative spiral of emotions. And there wasn't success that really came after that moment. But the time where I downwardly thought, I tons of success. All of this was created from that moment. Right. And... So that's why I was so overwhelmed with emotion because like I felt those two things when you talked about this concept. Hey guys, hope you're enjoying the show. Only way this podcast grows is if it's shared. So please share it with your friends, family, or anyone you feel like it can help enhance their performance in their life. A little karma goes a long way. Let's get back to the show. Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's going to have them. You, I mean, you have them on the daily, you know, you, oh man, if I would have said that during that meeting or uh, if I would have made that pitch, that would have been great. Yeah, or, but if you're like, at least I was in the meeting and I got the chance. Yeah. Like, it's I, such a different way of thinking, though. Right. So it kind of stems into, like, if we're going to try to help people with this, there's there's reframing techniques. And you've talked about reframing and framing. So people should be aware of that concept. Do you want to dive into that at all? No, I mean, it makes sense. It just you, you take a thought and there's there's two ways you could really look at it. You know, something can happen and you could frame it in one, one choice or you could frame it in another. And this is the actual tactical approach to it. I think the reason that I love using that word tactical is because a lot of times con- uh, uh, concepts are spoken about, but what athletes love, and I think all people love is what do I do with that concept? You right. Know, so if we were just sitting here going, Hey guys, this is, this the is counterfactual thinking. Yeah. It doesn't, it, it, it's cool, but it doesn't really do anything for you unless you know what to do with the information. Right. So what Andrew is about to share right now is what you can actually do with this. Yeah. 
Yeah. So there's, there's, I've written down like four or five things that cool. I and I'll probably throw in my, own. throw in a couple. Um, it's, it's reframing your mindset to learning, not regret. And you've kind of illustrated with your examples on your life, how that, that can be, Hey, uh, yeah, I didn't get picked up by that MLB team, but look at what type of human I am right now. Look at how much adversity I've gone through to get to this step. I'm a beast. It didn't work out for me, but that's not a, that's not a manifestation on me as a person. It's simply because it just didn't go that way for me, but I can take that and I can go, Hey, I still want to do this. Let me learn from this example. And I'm going to, I'm going to get signed by an MLB team, or you can go the other way and just go, Hey, I'm, I'm glad that this is great. And you, you could be over with it if that's where you're at in your process with it. So it's, it's reframing your mindset from not regretting that things happened, but learning from why they happened. That can be for sports, business, relationships, everything, literally every choice that you make, you can reframe it to go, Hey, I'm, I'm learning from that. And that's a way less heavy thing to sit with. Hey, everyone makes mistakes. We all make mistakes. Learn from it. Admit them. Learn from it. Go from that point. I didn't perform that well. Learn from why you didn't perform that well. Don't beat yourself up over it and figure out a way to technically get into that. So that goes into my next step, goal setting. Okay. So you can reset your goals to help clarify what objectives you want to do. You know, that, that's a, this is when it comes to goal setting specifically, this is how you frame your goals. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm using this example of goal setting as you're learning from it and then reset some goals to find some tactical ways to get yourself out of an upward counter factual thought process, right? You could also set a time limit for how long you want to ruminate and what happened. That's something that is really beneficial for me in my life is I set a, depending on what the circumstance is, I set a time limit on how long I'm supposed to be pissed about that, upset about, overthink that process. It depends on what it is. And I give myself an allotted amount of time for that. That'll help. Um, and you can also practice self-compassion. Hey, we all make mistakes. Stuff happens. Mm-hmm. So those are some things that I wrote. Journaling, you know, positive you know, visualization. You can also seek feedback from someone that you really like value, a mentor in your life. Yeah. And I don't mean uh, to steer away from the technical terms that we're going through here. Yeah. But I shared a really powerful conversation with someone that I really admire yesterday who's who's had a lot of what I would call out and up success in the business world you know, hundred million dollar plus guy. And we were having lunch yesterday and he shared with me, uh, this approach that he's now taking in his life that he adopted where a lot of people are hungry. He was talking about for their net worth number, you know, the, the circle that he was in their net worth number. And it kind of illustrates to me the gold medal, right? And that that's the connection to this is he, he was, he was talking about their net worth number and how, you know, people are after this number, but no one goes to bed saying, or excuse me, lays on their deathbed and says, I wish I did another deal. And so he is talking about to me, dude, do the things that you're only able to do at this time in your life. He said, so when I'm 75, I'm not going to be able to do these 10 things, but most people wait till they're 75 to do these 10 things. And then half of them aren't even capable of doing them because they're not healthy and strong enough and vibrant enough to do it. He said, so what I'm trying to do in my life is tackle these things right now. And so when you're in your twenties, why not go do these things? 
And don't be so concerned with how much you're going to have at 60. Because if you have the habits, routines, and disciplines, you'll get that anyways. And that has to do more with the, the forward thinking, I believe, goal setting. But that frames it differently in my head of, wow, yeah, I'm actually only able to do that right now. So why wouldn't I go after that and do that right now? Rather than putting the pressure on yourself to know when you're this age, you need to be stacking it like this and doing it like this so that when you're 35, you're in a good place. Why not put yourself in a good place right now? Be present thinking. And that directly correlates with counterfactual thinking. I believe that that is exactly what it's saying in, in taking counterfactual thinking is almost looking at what has happened. Um, so I guess it's dealing with past experience in a way. Yeah. But for me, like that's how I take the information from counterfactual thinking and put it into the present moment. And how do I do something with it by saying, all right, this is how I'm going to take care of this moment and think of it downwardly rather than thinking upwardly. Yeah. It, it's you see what I'm saying? Totally. I see what you're saying. Past, future, that, that whole concept, it, that makes a lot of sense. It's interesting to me that counterfactual thinking can be something that people, like an upward counterfactual thought process can make someone stay in the same spot over and over and over again. I know so many people who have sit, sat there and ruminated on a past experience that has tormented them because they haven't been able to ruminate or uh, reframe it in a way of, Hey, that happened. It's okay. Like, let's get after it. Right. So when I, when I hear your story and I hear you talk about, man, why not go after it? I start sitting there going, okay, maybe they're stuck in something. And are they stuck in some sort of counterfactual thought Thought. process? That's an upward direction of man. What happened? The, The nice part about the go, go for it mentality is it's like a what's to lose mentality, which is downward thinking, you know, because like, all right, what's the worst thing that can happen here? All right. That's the, I can, I can live with that. It's not what's the best situation. If the best situation doesn't happen, I'm, I'm, I'm out. I'm done. Right. It's like, if you go into the Olympics going gold or nothing, you're screwed because you win the gold and you're like, okay, that was what I was here to do. It will imagine that go into the Olympics and go, I have to win gold. And if I don't win gold, I'm screwed. Your thought process of winning gold is actually like a relief of like the pressure that you've put on yourself. So you're not going to be able to like reap the benefit. Yeah. You're going to be able (laughs) to enjoy it. And if you don't win gold, you're setting yourself up for a lot of turmoil that you're putting on yourself. Reframe it, man. Like learn from why you didn't get gold. And, and, and if you want to go back there, go for it. Absolutely. Go for it. You know, a weird thing to think about too is, uh, you know, in 200 years, no one's even going to know who you were. And your gold medal is amazing and impressive and should be honored and respected. But at the end of the day, in 200 years, no one's going to know shit about your gold medal. And so why would you put that kind of pressure on yourself to, to be all or nothing? Meaning that, you know, if, if you don't win gold then it's worth nothing, you know, it it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. And if you kind of expand your time horizon, you can say, oh yeah, you're right. And it takes the pressure off and you kind of become more optimistic about your opportunity and where you were and why you're there and all that can be created. I believe you just become that the, the, also, uh, a way I think about this is uh, an abundant mindset or a scarcity mindset. The scarcity mindset is I'm 
I have to do this all or nothing if I don't achieve it and you just grip too tight. And that's how I pitched in college. Yeah, I've, I do that with daily decisions. You know? Yeah, it's but like, that, that's how I pitched in college. Yeah. I pitched in a scarcity mindset. I only have this year to get drafted. Yeah. If I don't get drafted, why have I worked so hard my whole career? Right. And I, I and, and it didn't pr- produce my best results. No. But when I went and tried out for a, you know, a professional team, I was like, dude, I got nothing to lose here. I'm going to leave my arm on the mound. And God, thank you for giving me the opportunity to leave my arm out on the mound because this, I got to prove to myself that I was worthy of it. But I only got that. I only got that mindset from one, coaching people for a year. And then two, because I didn't have it for a year. What do you mean you didn't have it for a year? I, I was done with baseball. 2020, I graduated from college. The season was over. I didn't go back to college. I, there was no minor league season. There was no opportunity for that. And I didn't, so I didn't have like that opportunity to play anymore. Don't you, don't you also think that you've developed the ability to go from upward to downward counterfactual thinking based off of just going after goals and, and realizing yeah, I that, think you're, it, that fa- failure yeah. is going to teach you this and you either figure out a way to deal with failure yeah. to allow yourself to learn from it and not regret what happened. Yeah. And so it's I think like my, my failure tolerance is so much higher where it's you, uh, you almost not ask for it by any means. I never want to fail, right? I never want to fail, but accepting it and saying this happened because of, and I know you have a bullet point that you haven't shared yet about failure that I need you to share because you read it to me before we started. Get it, for me. <laughs> Let me get it. You got it. You said something. Um, not positive visualization, seek feedback. Um, reframing. Where is your thing? You said something about to remember what it was. I don't, but it was so gold. Really? I mean, maybe this, uh, yeah, just maybe this is a, uh, a teaser for next episode, but yeah, there was, there was a point you made about, um, I think it had to do with, you know, framing a loss. Like you can lose the game, but don't lose the lesson. Yeah. It was something about learning from learning from your failures is the most important part about failing. And so a lot of times when people, um, will, counterfactually think upward, they'll lose the lesson, you know, don't lose the game and lose the lesson, right? Like you already lost the game. That's, that's plenty. Don't lose the lesson with it. And that's the beautiful thing about sports is you get to go back and watch the tapes. I love it. Well, we'll go back and listen to this tape and make sure that we provided a bunch of value. And, uh, we'll, we'll be back with, uh, episode two of this eight part series next week. And we're happy to share it with you. So thank you. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the show. I hope you benefited from this. Give the show a follow, share it, and comment what you'd like to hear more of so we can help more people perform in all aspects of their lives. 